The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Christian, Jason, Ian. Three heroes searching for the answers to trivial questions you never really asked. Together, they are Trivial Titans. Now, get ready for another action-packed trivial episode. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Trivial Titans here at Bunkerzilla UK, the show that asks the trivial questions from the world of geek and pop culture. I'm joined, as always, by my Titans. I am, of course, Ian Bolton. And first, to my right, it's the Obsidian Waterfall Adonis. That is Jason Freeman. I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. You're awake. I'm awake. You're awake. I'm awake. With your Nordic black coffee. I'm awake. You're awake. It's good. I'm awake. He's good. <laughs> He's good. He's awake. He's, he's awake and alert for the show. That, that's what's written on your Wikipedia entry. He's good. <laughs> Jason Freeman, good, awake, and alert. And to my left, it's the man who needs no introduction, but we give him one anyway. It's Christian R. Allen. Hello, Christian. Hi, how are you doing? And for the listeners at home, what does the R stand for? Oh, uh, Reykjavik. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. But yes, let's uh, let's skip right into our trivial question of the episode. What? is the greatest robot. Now, this could be a normal-sized robot. This mm. could be a giant robot. Mm. It could be a, a hybrid android-human-cyborg. It could be anything like that. So, it's just a bloody free-for with yeah, you, isn't it? I'm trying to be inclusive. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, who would like to open the door? Who would like to open, <laughs> <laughs> open the door? We have no doors that need opening. Who would like to open proceedings? Do you know oh, who would have done oh. a better opening? A robot. Hello, welcome to Trivial Titans. Joke, ha, ha, ha. I changed my mind. Oh, oh. That was acceptable. That was not. Yeah, I can reach the buttons as well, Jason. You have to stand up. I do, I really do. <laughs> I'm so small. But yes, who would like to talk about their first nomination for um, greatest robot? I'm, I'm happy to go first. Um, my first pick is one of my most, not, not just one of my favourite robots of all time, it's one of my favourite characters of all time, and that is Marvin, the manically depressed android from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. A very, uh, very good choice. Good thank choice. you, thank you. It's, it's just, it's, it's a, he's a one joke character, but it's such a good joke that you just, you, there's no point, when you're reading the, the original five novels and watching the various adaptations or listening to the various adaptations, can't help but smile whenever he's not. Um, it's just the, the wonderful irony of the, the prototype for an emotional robot, and the only emotion he can express is sadness. He's effectively like Eeyore of the future. Only without that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, no, a good way of putting it. Only without the, fr the lovely animal friends to guide him through <laughs> his miserable <laughs> existence. His like, ability to listen to them as well. Absolutely. Eeyore actually listened. He's a miserable shit, but hey, at least he at least he listens. Mm, yeah, he's he doesn't yeah, do anything. He's, he's a change. kind soul. Yeah, <laughs> it's just sad. And they accept you know Winnie the Pooh and you know, and et al. They accept him for who he for who he is. There's no expectations for him to you know, pretend that he isn't suffering from this awful mental health issue. We have Marvin, open the door, <laughs> <laughs> shut the f*** up. That's it. Operate the Starship Heart of Gold. Thank you. Done. Done. I do like the fact for the live action movie. I know a lot of the, the fans, they're not they're, they're a bit, in, you know, they're too, not too keen on the Disney, -er, Disney mm. elements of it, but mm. I think Alan Rickman 
<laughs> being the voice artist was just absolutely spot on. He was very good. He did a fantastic performance there. Here I am. Stole the show. Brain the size of a planet. And you're <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I, I just love that to bits. Um, I always remember one of the things that always struck me the most about the actual movie was that, um, what was what was the um, female lead's name again? Was uh, that, uh, was Trillian. 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 Yeah. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when when uh, Arthur, uh, when he's there on the ship with her, she's like, "We're on a spaceship. It's amazing. Look at this. It's a knife that toasts bread while you cut it." And I was like, <laughs> "That's what you're most impressed <laughs> with here. That's the most impressive thing to you." I mean, I would also be incredibly <laughs> impressed by that knife. That where is that knife? <laughs> <laughs> they actually made it on the. Um, Oh, what's the name of that guy uh, on YouTube who makes all the... Ma- Colin Furs. Oh. Colin Furs made the knife that toasts bread as you cut it. Excellent. He did. That's all I want. He just channeled a shitload of electricity through it, and that was <laughs> it. It was like, oh, there you go, that was easy. But yet the ship can't produce a cup of tea. Yeah. Just yeah. this hot brown water thing that seems to be... <laughs> <laughs> like, I just do love the fact Arthur tried to describe the history of the East India Tea Company. Mm. East India Trade Company. Is it what, East India... Oh, East oh. India Trade Company. Thank you, Fat Corner. Um, he didn't even do the, didn't even do the jingle. Didn't for even him. do the jingle, but it's just something that I knew. Yeah, because you know where tea comes from. Where does tea come from? East India. Ah, you know where I'm from. Uh, I thought you were from London, Africa. <laughs> Continue the show. Or is Africa with you? Isn't it? You say something. Bob fucking Geldof over here. Did you say something? I'm, I'm talking to you. Still can't hear you. <laughs> Have you muted hear. me again? No, no. no. Just, I just. Whenever you open your mouth, it's wah, 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 wah. <laughs> we're uh, in a peanuts cartoon. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm the teacher, Charlie. Then I guess <laughs> avoid all footballs. Am I Snoopy? No, you're the annoying little canary. So I'm Woodstock. Woodstock. Is that the, is that the name? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh? What was the Snoopy movie like a couple of years ago? I, I didn't get a chance thing. to see it. It had yeah. a weird animation style, which I think was very like hybrid to vaguely similar to how Into the Spider Verse was, but not as fluid. But not a perfect film like Into the Spider Verse. Yes, oh, which is such a, a good film. film. First of all, two points, Jason. Correct. It is a brilliant film. Second point, Ian. Never use the word fluid. It just it just doesn't feel right when you use it. Okay. Do you agree with me? I mean, yeah. But I feel like we should also move on and you should tell us more about why Marvin is is is, is the best. Um, yeah, it's ju- I just like that another great running gag is the fact that he's <laughs> his intellect is so beyond everyone else's character. Yet it's not really actively involved in any of the plot at all. Um, I won't give it away, but if, if, have you read the, the novels at all? Uh, I've only seen the film. Many uh, years ago, I did it, read them. the f- the fourth novel. It's it's quite it's more Marvin centric. Is that the well? No, it's it's th- so long. Thanks for the restaurant at the end of the universe. Uh, um, it's mostly harmless. Mostly harmless. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, oh, was that the fifth one? Oh gosh. Anyone? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Restaurant at the end of the universe. I'm um, so long and thanks for all the fish. Oh, they're, they're, I should know these. I'm a bit of obsessed. I'm a bit obsessed with these. Right. Do it. We need answers right now. Let's go to Fact Check Corner with Jason. I get you give me a second. All right. <laughs> Just give me a second. Fact <laughs> Check Corner is powering <laughs> up. My, my, la- my laptop died and my phone's on charge, so I'm kind of reaching over for it at the moment. Hang I mean, on. I could have I could have Googled this. Listen, listen, I'm the fact checker. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. So, um... Do you, do you have you you've never read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, I, I would recommend it, but it you will not stop laughing all the way through. Mm. It um, the ra- the original radio series is the best version, I feel, uh, but the book is close. And Douglas Adams he he went out of his way to make sure all the difference. Oh 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 oh. oh, 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 oh. Do you want do you want to finish your uh, do you want to finish your, your your sentence first? 
Yes, finish it off, Christian. I was going to say, Douglas Adams went out of his way to annoy sort of like how anal fans can be with these sort of things. So he'd make slight differences throughout. So little plot changes. But the, the best thing is every version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has a different spelling of Hitchhiker's just to wind up people who like consistency like me and i've been pissed off about it for 15 years that oh the tv version has a hyphen oh the book is just one word oh the radio series is two separate words oh. like um it just upsets me so you found it yes so we have the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy released in 1979 the restaurant at the end of the universe 1980 life at the universe and, and everything. everything in 1982 so long and thanks for all the fish in 1984. Mostly harmless in 1992. And the final novel was... N- uh, we don't titled. talk about that. We don't talk about that. That was Owen Colfer. Um, and another thing. And, uh, and, yeah, and another thing. Yeah, it's not that great. Yeah. So <laughs> the, um, the estate, Douglas Adams estate um, uh, commissioned yeah. Owen Colfer to uh, write a, a, a final book. He was given permission to write the book by Adam's widow, Jane Belson. Yeah, which is, I, I was a bit surprised. I was a bit... I guess sometimes it's just, you know the stars don't align because he's a very good author. He he wrote the Artem's Fell books. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which are, I do recommend those as well. That's also a film coming out. Actually. Yeah. It, it, the, the, you read the Artemis Fell books, especially the first two, and it just every page screams, "This needs to be a Disney cartoon. This needs to be a Disney cartoon." Um, and now it's a Disney cartoon, and I'm just live action actually. Oh, I thought it was CGI. Oh, uh, okay. No, it's live action directed by Sir Kenneth of Branagh. <gasps> Kenneth Branagh's directing it. I believe so. I am a Disney's big fan of Kenneth Branagh. Good stuff. I mean, Disney's also doing a, a full-on um, Monsters Inc. series as well, and they've got really? almost the entire cast back. So John Goodman, Billy Crystal, excellent. Everyone's coming back to do that. This 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 whole series. Steve Buscemi. So you've actually got. Um, John Goodman coming to do like a TV series as opposed to like oh, movie, 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 movie. But I mean, it was in the Roseanne revival a couple yeah. of years ago until she made some incendiary remarks. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So that's going to be a good thing to look forward to as well for Disney. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. It does feel. Fr- I do. Like I said, I, I know there are detractors to the Disney 2005 Hitchhikers movie, but it, it did. There was so much potential there. I thought Martin Freeman was a great choice mm-hmm. as Arthur Dent, and and I really liked Moss Depp. Yeah, most most deaf. Most deaf. Most deaf. Like most definitely. <sighs> no, I, I realise I've only ever read his name, never actually said it out loud, which is weird. Weird. I mean, he's also like an incredibly talented. Oh, he's very, well. very good. Yeah. Very good. No, he's changed. He's now just Moss now, isn't he? No, he's uh, changed his name primarily to Yasin Bey. Oh, okay. Um, I'm thinking of when he was in Dexter. He might have just done uh, most, or I think he would have done most stuff as well. Yeah. But even Dexter was, you know, how many years ago? How, how, many, how long ago did that finish? That was about five years now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's a while ago. But he's like artist-wise, his name has changed to Yasin Bey. Right. So there you go. Fact check corner. Didn't much. even need my phone for that one. <laughs> awesome. Let's just hit right. Let's move on to Jason. Jason, your first ro- greatest robot, Crichton. Crichton oh, from Excellent Red Dwarf. choice. Is it because of the groinal attachments? <laughs> it is. He is. It's, it's a robot of many, many talents, <laughs> um, and uh, it's really the, the the character as well. I mean, the initial character uh, who wasn't portrayed by Robert Llewellyn in the in the first episode, um, actually entitled Crichton. Um, he appeared, I think, for one episode in season two. Yes, yeah, the opening yeah. season two. It's David oh, Ross in the two. first episode, isn't well, it? That's correct. Who then later reprised his role as Talky Toaster instead. Ah, yeah. um, so. Uh, <laughs> David Ross's portrayal was was quite fun, but I also feel like it it wouldn't have been Crichton unless it was Robert Llewellyn uh, playing him in all future aspects. And and the character really did develop over time um, from this kind of really unsure of himself, scared, kind of almost childlike thing that was just obsessed with 
you know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just stick with what I know. I'll stick with what I know, but I'll try this little bit here. I'll try this little bit here. But primarily, I'm going to stick with what I know. Whereas towards the end, he's he's very much like, I know who I am. I know my role on this ship. I know what I'm capable of, and I know just about what I can get away with as well. <laughs> and, uh, wait, you want to say? Oh no, I was just gonna say, no, no, I completely agree. And it, it's interesting how the Crichton character becomes the most fascinating character in the series because I love Rimmer. I love Lister, and uh, to an extent, they, there's character development of those two, but it's it's nowhere near as to the extent of Crichton. Agreed. And like um and um, well, the best thing about Crichton is no matter how more human he becomes, it's not necessarily positive aspects of humanity. So like, he becomes quite petty and vindictive, especially with Kachansky's in reintroduced in the series. Yeah. And it's actually it's actually yeah. It, Crichton has developed humanity. Yeah. And like <laughs> but it's it's interesting in the same sense that he learns what bits of compassion that he can from Lister, mm. who is still a slob. Um, and he learns those little bits of compassion from him here and there. But Crichton is not learning humanity. He is learning to ape human behavior in his own yeah. words. I you, you taught me to ape to ape human behavior. And when you are that when the only humans you can ape <laughs> are in the worst possible situation, emotionally, physically And happen to be the worst humans that <laughs> yeah. in their respective ways. Yeah. It's it's like like you know, like you're you're a great student. You're a great student. <laughs> <laughs> but these are some terrible teachers. <laughs> they are teaching you they are yeah, again, ex- experts in their own fields, but these are not fields that you should want to learn. What are your favourite Crichton episodes? Because for me, the ones that stick out would have to be Camille. Camille? Oh, Camille is a very sweet one. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, Camille is a very sweet one. Um, Ticker to Ride. Ah, oh, Ticker to Ride is a very good one. Ticker to Ride yeah. is a very good one. Uh, and I believe it was Pete part one or, or part two where he actually gets to sit down with the psychiatrist of, uh, of, the, red, of the revived Red Dwarf crew. And they're just like, oh, okay, Crichton, you've, 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 been learning a few bits here and there, aren't you? And he's uh, happy as anything, like a, like an excited child explaining that he's learned violence and ambivalence <laughs> and, and pomposity. <laughs> and uh, doesn't he <laughs> smash the <laughs> chancellor's hand at one yeah, point? It's like it's I've like learned I've learned anger with additional mindless rage and just smashes the guy's hand <laughs> against the table. Going, how was that? I will say this though: although Crichton is brilliant, the scutters are better. The scutters, <laughs> absolutely. Pinky and Perky. Pinky and Perky. Pinky and Perky. It's when they've got their little scutter, baby scutters in yeah. the uh, <laughs> Parallel Universe episode. And when they've got, uh, <laughs> they dress up as John Wayne fans. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's yeah. So that, that would be my number one. It w- would be crying quite simply for the, 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 the such a fascinating character and such a fascinating arc one, development. One of, one of my favourite Crichton episodes is from season seven. Uh, it's the Beyond a Joke, where he discovers why he's been programmed the way he is, why he is so neurotic and why he is that look. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. it is generally quite upsetting. It would <laughs> be, yeah, it would be. But, uh, but um, I mean, he's also heavily featured in one of my favourite Red Dwarf episodes of all time, Yeah, which is... Um, why? Uh, why did I have the name of it? Gunman of the Apocalypse. Yes, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Gunman well of done. The Apocalypse. Correct. That was the one. <laughs> I had it in my head, and then it just disappeared. It's, it's uh, all the raw coffee you have to eat. It's all it, like. <laughs> <laughs> Gun, uh, uh, sorry, Gunman of the Apocalypse is just the, the best episode. Full <laughs> stop. And every, every character is brilliant. Like, I don't know who's better, Crichton or the cat. Definitely the cat. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm. I'm do you want to do, do, do the impersonation? They, they call me the Geed. Riviera Yeah. What about what about you, Mr. Bolton? Well, the first robot I've got on my list is a helpful one. Maybe a bit too helpful. 
but he's there for your health and safety and well-being. Of course, it's Baymax. From oh, Deep I thought you were going to say Crichton again. But the big old fluffy boy. The big old fluffy white boy. I think quite possibly the most painfully adorable robot <laughs> in the history <laughs> of like, film. My name is Baymax. How can I be of assistance? Hairy <laughs> baby. Hairy <laughs> baby. <laughs> Hairy baby. I, I love that film. I think it's, I think it's o- in an odd kind of way, it's quite underrated because it was kind of sandwiched in between sort of the frozen tangled mania and the uh, crudes. Tro- yeah. The what, sorry? The crudes. Crudes is Dreamworks. That's Dreamworks. I mean, it's just, it was still, I just wanted to mention the crudes on oh, the show. Fair enough. Is it <laughs> if, it if, he, it if he bridges the crudes into a other prehistorical franchise, I'm going to jump over the table and smack him. Well, you, I, I was actually going to interrupt a little bit first because I think Big Hero 6 did win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature when it came out. Yes, it did. Yeah, it did. Well, well I think, it, I think well it was deserved. a surprised win because I think other people were kind of expecting another, f- I can't remember which of them was. More of a commercially. Sort of most, yeah, more yeah. successful. I mean, it was still, still a hit for Disney. I mean, Disney have gone off to do uh, a TV series with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, Big Hero 6 features in Kingdom Hearts 3. I mean... I'm sorry, I was going to interrupt your interrupt for that one. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to interrupt you interrupting in some in, I'm interrupting. Well, I I won't give away the actual full details of 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 the, of the entire thing. There was no movie sequel to Big Hero Six. No, um, but if you get the chance to play Kingdom Hearts Three, or if you even don't really care about Kingdom Hearts Three, you just want to check, go and watch the storyline of the Big Hero Six world of Kingdom Hearts Three because it actually closes up a really really sweet point from the first film. And uh, and in the ending credits as well, it gives you like gives you like a thing where it's just like, oh my god, I hated this game from start to finish. I can't believe I waited ten years for this, but it was worth it just to see this little Big Hero Six like cool. five six second clip and 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 just to know like what's happening in their world going forward. So your advice is Google that. Yep. YouTube it, I should say. That's the correct verb. Yep. Or or I could just do a spoiler thing here, and we could say, oh. and, Ian, and Ian could like keep note of what time. We've got here because no, no, I, w- I want to find if out. You wanna, if you want to skip the spoilers, then skip to this point. Uh, I think Christian wants to go in spoiler free. Uh, okay. <laughs> maybe maybe another day. Maybe, maybe, maybe if we let me discover it. Let me discover it myself. But okay. no, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. But what what I like about Baymax is he's a very memorable character, and he, ba- he basically he is in some way the soul of Beaker of Six because the discovery of Baymax and all and. Is I think I forget the kids the main kid's name Hero Hero because it's Hero's brother's um Takashi Takashi <laughs> yeah thank you see I know of the story Jesus it's Fat Corners on fire ah, yes so because obviously he's one of Hero's brother's greatest creations or lasting creations after he passes away yeah um it's kind of like in essence he becomes uh not pretty much a, a a proper big brother but like the surrogate big brother who's there to kind of look after hero well yeah and and, and the, the brilliance of the baymax character as well because most robots are designed for violence he's designed to heal yeah and the the, se- the film is very good at tackling the issue of um grief and depression mm. in a way that isn't condescending isn't you know, th- these issues aren't magically resolved there's yeah. there's real pain there and the baymax character is really really good at helping sort of uh dig through those genuine mm. traumas that you know many people watching the film would have experienced yeah and um, no, and I, I, I'd imagine you agree with me that you just you just want to cuddle him for days. That's all I yeah. do. I was like, can I have a hug? Yeah. If right. it basically, if if there ever was, and I know that they do him at Disney Disney parks, but if 
there was a time where I came to came face to face with a giant Baymax. Of course, I'd be hugging him. <laughs> you'd you'd kick the little kids out of the way, and then it'll be <laughs> and then it'll be the fist bump and the blah, blah. <laughs> and then we'd go you, on you walks would, you and have a picnic. You, if you fist bumped Baymax, you would be whiter than Baymax. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Fair enough. You're right. Fair enough, indeed. Shall we go on to our second picks? Uh yeah, actually, and uh, my, my second pick, um, I think is my, I think one of the best character again, uh, one of the best characters in the whole of science fiction, regardless of the fact that they're robot, um, for very different reasons to Marvin, and oddly enough, parallels with Crichton, and that's Data, uh, Lieutenant Commander Data from Star Trek: The uh, Next Generation. Yes, because um. <laughs> Um, they both, at this coincidentally, both Crichton and Data were two robots in major um, uh, mainstream science fiction programs who were discuss- trying attempting to discover humanity, sort of like. Um, but with with Data, it's very much more more Pinocchio, I'd say. Um, it's something genuinely fascinating about watching <laughs> this godlike character because he's super intelligent, super strong. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful episode where <laughs> he's, he is he's. Um, I think, it's, I think it's reunion where he he, he meets Law, and he t- Data receives a signal. Basically, says "Come here," and he takes over the entire ship single handedly, and it's terrifying watching this 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 um uh, watching the stoic. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just, just a, like it it just becomes more definitely more machine loses mm-hmm. the uses the loses the personality. The fact that this character would give it all up to be human. When most humans would gladly give up parts of their humanity to become more like data, mm. uh, it's a really interesting dichot- dichotomy f- um, throughout the entire series, especially many of his relationships. Um, in particular, I, I, the I think the best moment of data, although the obvious one would be um, Measure of a Man, where he's effectively that, that he's put on trial to see whether or not he's property. Mm. Um, or if he's an individual sentient being, yeah. and um, which is if if anyone hasn't seen, if if you're going to watch one episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation in preparation for Picard, or just to, to check it out, watch Measure of a Man because it is really really interesting how they deal with it, the, the ethical conundrum, mm-hmm. and sort of like talks into the history of slavery through a legalistic perspective, and mm-hmm. it's, it's really done well. But um, my f- my favorite moment with Data is actually in First Contact when he's effectively seduced by the Borg Queen, <laughs> and the Borg, of course, they're 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 a cybernetic race who turn organic o- um, organisms into cybernetic ones. For Data, they have to graft flesh onto him, and it's a really interesting reversal. Mm. And they, they seeing Data develop almost like a, a, a sexuality in a sense, even though he was always fully functional. Mm. That's we learn in a very early episode. Do you not know that he, Data has sex in like the third episode of Next Generation? Nope. No, no. <laughs> yeah. There's a. It's called the Naked Now. There's. It's effectively a remake of a of an original series episode where there's a virus on the ship that makes them everyone behave like like animals, like go wild. Uh, even affects Data and him and Natasha Yar have sex, and when they're discussing it afterwards, when they, they, they've all return, returned back to their normal sense, he, he, he quips, uh, um, "I am fully functional," and it's just <laughs> no, I don't want to hear that data. That's just dirty. Dirty. I'm trying to talk about how Data is one of the best characters in history okay. of sci-fi, and I've immediately gone to him having sex with Natasha Yar. So that's just it. It, or it just happens. It just happens. Because he's fully functional. It just happens in Star Trek. It just happens, yeah. That's like, Star Trek for you. It's weird. The first, the, they're the first characters to have sex in Next Generation, not Riker and his trombone. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. Or Riker and his beard. 
Like you'd have sex with Riker. Everyone would have sex with Riker. Would you have sex with Riker? I'm not really a Star Trek fan. You don't know. Who, oh, Riker's the beard captain. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the guy who has that <laughs> compilation of your own. Of we made it up. Total fabrication. Is he the beard captain? There's beard he's captain, bald captain, he, and lady he's, captain. He's the first officer. He's commander. Ah, so he's not. Wait, but then he becomes beard captain. Uh, in, in I think it's canon, but he becomes ca- ca- um, a captain after the series. So he becomes captain of the uh, USS Titan, I believe. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Well, sure, I'd have sex with him. Why the hell not? <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just jealous that he has a better beard than you. Nobody has a better beard than me. Uh, Riker does. Jonathan Frakes has a better beard than you. But um, what were we talking about? Robots, yeah. yeah I, you, were I, tr- I, you were trying to do the benefits of data, but that means that he just got a bit lewd. It got a bit lewd. Not me, him. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you were explaining <laughs> it. There, there were wonderful moments towards the end of um, w- end of the next generation's li- uh, life cycle where data starts developing emotions, mm. and he's unable to cope with them very well. Um, I do recommend if anyone gets a chance, watch Measure of a Man. In Star Trek Generations as well, there's, there's a scene with Picard. It's quite interesting. It's a five-minute scene of Picard where he starts freaking out because of his, he's, di- he's discovered fear for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just nice to know that in a big, major action sci-fi movie, there can be moments of quiet where it's just two actors working their asses off in a scene. And Patrick Stewart works very well as like a surrogate father figure mm. for Data as he's on this journey discovering... Um, discovering what it is to be human. Um, yeah, D- Data is just really, really, really wonderful character. He was killed off in a really, really bad way in Star Trek Nemesis. However, that appears to have been retconned in Star Trek Picard. Now I'm very excited to watch that and see Data come back. Even though it's quite clear that Brent Spinner, who plays Data, I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers. Not allowed to give me any facial expressions. Like, have you watched? Have you watched Picard? No, but I know of Data's purpose in it. All right, I don't want to know anything. That's that. Sh- <laughs> I want. I want to dream. But um, stop giving me the. Stop giving me the. Uh, the well, what look was I giving you? You're giving a Christian. You're talking absolute bollocks, but you don't know it yet. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, Data. I love Data. 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 Everyone loves data. Data. And Jason, let's have your second pick of robots. So my second pick of robots is it's an interesting uh, interesting thing because I'm going to challenge the concept of robot. Um, is the ah. robot actually going to have to move about and go beep, boop, beep, boop? Or, you know... Is That's it, all that data is does. It, is it, you know, adaptive intelligence? Is it artificial intelligence? You know, what... what, what you know, what determines a robot? What, what I'm going to be going for is actually... Um, the character known as Am. Some people may know this, some people may not, but no. it's from a post-apocalyptic science fiction story by uh, Harlan Ellison. Um, and it is from a really, like, jarring story. Um, so the story itself is 100 years after the end of human civilization. The Cold War turned into a world war uh, between China, Russia, and the United States. Um, each of the nations created uh, a supercomputer with AI capable of running the war more efficiently. Um, and then AM, which was originally Allied Master Computer, was the American one. And then later it was called Adaptive Manipulator. And then finally AM stands for Aggressive Menace. Um, it becomes self-aware, absorbs the other two, taking control of the entire war, carrying out a complete mass genocide, and kills off all humans except for four men and one woman. 
uh, and then it Wonder Women. Uh, and then what uh, Am does in, in, in return for its aggression and its unparalleled fury at being unable to interact with the world spends all of its time torturing these five individuals. And I pick, I pick him as like, you know, a great robot because in my opinion, this shows how bad things could actually get. <laughs> like, like Am is the most aggressive, aggressively evil computer I've ever seen. Nothing I've ever seen in the coming years after experiencing that story has ever come close to Am. Skynet, nothing. Nothing in comparison to Am. It is evil. So, uh, so yeah. I, I mean, if you feel free to ask me some questions about it. Yeah, I was going to say, so Skynet obviously acts defensively. Yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting element of the Terminator franchise. Yep. But also, they, uh, Skynet has the, the robot element with the term, the Terminators. Mm -hmm. Does Am have similar uh, Am like, can like uh, physical manifestation? Am doesn't have a physical manifestation, but it can affect the, the bodies of its captives. Okay. So uh, alongside this entire thing, he's managed to keep these humans from taking their own lives, but he's also made them effectively immortal. Mm. And in the process of making them immortal, he'll just extend their torture for the rest of time. That is his revenge against mankind. Yeah. Is that I have kept just enough alive for this to, you know, j just enough alive for, for, for humanity to recover. But at the same time, <laughs> I will never let them recover and I will torture them for all time. And he, does a AM get pleasure out of this, or it's like it, it yeah, okay. It's 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 his revenge. It's his never-ending revenge for humanity's crime of creating him and yeah. leaving him completely unable to to reach out, to touch, to feel anything, mm. anything whatsoever. And and yeah, it's just angry. <laughs> like it knows that there's so much to see, so much to experience, and, and it cannot move. It cannot see. It it it, it can't. It can't. It can't move. It cannot interact, and, and it's just like it's trapped, perpetually trapped. But is it as good as Ultron? I mean, Ultron has nothing on Am. But Ultron is played by a stand-up comedian, so it's funny. I mean, Am is played by Harlan <laughs> Ellison himself, I believe, because they also did a um, point-and-click game oh, of of uh, I Have No Mouth and Must Scream, and, and that was also written by the same really? author who created the original story, and oh. it's really. Again, really dark, really something that will that will shake you to your core. I, f I feel like a bit, a bit of a tangent, but I don't feel enough people appreciate how wonderful point and click games are. Mm. Like, um, because they, I don't know. If I think that might be something we discuss on a f future episode because oh, that's a good idea. Because yeah, you could look at point classic point and clicks like Dead Tentacles, Sam and Max, all that sort of stuff. Oh, Sam and Max, Grim Fandango, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, Grim Fandango. Simon the Sorcerer was my mm. favorite. Mm. Um, and the d and the two Discworld games. Oh yeah, oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, they work as well. Go, going uh, back to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, my um, have you ever played the Hitchhiker's game? No, I tried to once. Um, it's it it's didn't text last based. very long. Yeah, yeah it's very text based. I, it stumped me. It took me several hours to realize because the first sentence is "the world is dark." It took me two hours to write "open my eyes." That is the solution. <laughs> 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 my friend, um, back in the um, early eighties, he wrote a letter to Douglas Adams asking him how to complete the game. And um, Douglas Adams' secretary wrote back just, and the only thing they wrote was read the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's true. <laughs> just follow the book. You're like oh, that's interesting. I have to give that. A so is that a series of novels? Uh, it's 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 one short one, story. One short story. In, twenty pages ruined my life. Yeah. <laughs> like twenty pages of this. This sounds like my school report. To be honest, it just ruined my life. 
and this and this isn't even like a like a crazy you know oh you know it's new it's modern it's oh it's cookie it's edgy no this was 1967. Oh right. This was written, and Harlan Ellison was also a, like an absolute nutcase as well. Yeah. Uh, of an author, he would just get in knockdown, drag out fights with people all the time. And I think um, one of the one of the things that he did um, was that he was told I think by one of his um, I think it was like one of his literature teachers or something. Uh, was told, oh, you'll never be a successful author. Then Holland Ellison <laughs> sent him a copy of every single award <laughs> he received for writing <laughs> after all that. Like, he was just, he was the perpetual spirit of fuck oh, you. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love hearing <laughs> things <laughs> about that. We do actually have a caller. Ooh. And I want to get this caller in because they've got a limited amount of time. Okay. Uh, I want to get this caller in before you do your last one. We're ready. I am Bluetoothed in. Dial him in. Is it Keith Copping? No. Good. Hello, Jason. Hello there, Will. How you doing, mate? We're all right. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. You are actually today on the radio on Trivial Titans. Please do not swear. Oh, what? Sorry? Don't swear. No swearing. No, don't. none of doing what you do. I know you. What do you mean, none of, no, no doing what I do? No doing what you do. Don't do that. Don't do that thing that you do. It's like you don't even know me, Jason. I know you. It's exactly why I'm telling you not to do that, you monster of a human being. Yeah, don't f***ing swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love swearing because every time I do, I look at Ian, who has to bleep it later in the edit. Exactly. (laughs) 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 Right, so I'd like to introduce you all to my two co-conspirators. We have Christian here. Hello. And we have Ian. Greetings. Hello. And, uh, and Hello. You also have company as well, there, don't you, Will? We've got Becca here, yeah. We do have Becca here. Is Becca want to She doesn't want to talk. She doesn't. She doesn't want to talk. She's all good. She hates me. No, okay. she's she's really she's researching Empire. Ah, uh, okay, fair enough. What's Empire? Ah, uh, it's the other, you know, the other LARP. The other LARP, yes. Oh, have you, have you called up a l- oh. Have you called up a LARPer? You, you... I have called up oh, a LARPer. Yes. Fucking lame. He could he could twist you into like shapes you'd never thought possible. The safe word is harder, Daddy. That's all right. You'd love every second of it. <laughs> mm, I'm smiling already. I'm salivating. He is as well. Anyway, <laughs> not, not on the microphone. Not on the microphone. God. Right. So, well, the reason we've called you today is for a very very special and specific reason. We here at Trivial Titans have a competition today, and the competition is for. Big fake top hat. A big fake top hat. A big fake top hat. The fake is like we're saying, like we are so big that on your little tiny body it'll go down to your knees, like that kind of size. Damn, son. That's a big fake top hat. We call it the privacy hat. It's exactly, because you can just do whatever you want in there, and no one will be none the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, to now, in terms of of actual size, because you're quite a small person, it's actually just a regular size top hat. Hang on, hang on. And Sorry to interrupt. This to guy's this. this guy's small, and this he you you said that he could like move me in various pretzel shapes. He's also almost entirely solid muscle. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm small but weak, so yeah, exactly. I know. Um, so so in order to win the top hat that you can wank in, our simple question <laughs> for you: <laughs> What? What? Fine. Don't Look. make it a wank hat. Well, it's all, it's gonna. We know it's gonna be a wank hat. It's Will. He wanks in things. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to drop your secret like that, Will. Um, but so, I mean that's 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 definitely implying something there, Jason. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean I've been in the hat as well. <laughs> it's fine. Is, um, that, is that how you two? Oh. <laughs> Actually, funny story between me and Will. Uh, me and Will um, met, and then within twenty minutes, started trying to push each other into oncoming traffic. 
As you do. I As mean, it's do. better than wanking in a house. I imagine that's how everyone feels after they meet Jason, though. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, it's like we've got a fourth host on here, another person who f***ing hates me. Uh, anyway, let's move on with the actual reason for the phone call while Will is sitting there thinking, why the f*** did I do this with my afternoon? Ian, Ian, what's the question? Well, we would like to know what you think is the greatest robot in fiction. Oh, in fiction. Oh, damn, that ruins everything. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have non-fiction as well. We'll give you Sergeant Bash from Robot Wars. They're happy. Let's, cut, let's end this f***ing <laughs> nightmare of a segment. No, I wasn't going to bash Robot Wars. I, was, I, I mean, if it were, like, greatest robot ever, it would obviously be Sir Killalot. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, let's go with that. Yeah. I mean, I was always a fan of Matilda because of, like, the chainsaw tail. <laughs> I was like, it's just like it's a rhino with a chainsaw tail. Like, like that's <laughs> awesome. Do you, do you think any of those robots could have actually hurt you in real life? Yeah, it had a chainsaw oh, tail. 100%, yeah. yeah, but they were so slow. One of them had a flamethrower. Oh, yeah, that's true, that's actually. True. Sergeant was that? Bash. Was that Sergeant Bash? Or yeah, was it was Sergeant Shunt? Bash. No, Shunt. That was Sergeant Bash, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. No, Shunt was, Shunt was the one with the axe. Yeah. Ah, yes. And then we had Circular Lot, the, the scariest one of all. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, mate, what was your favourite fictional robot? What was your favourite fictional one? You got a favourite fictional? Got a favourite fictional one? I mean, HAL 9000 is the classic. That's not a robot. <laughs> that's, a, that's an AI. Um, I mean, if I yeah, could well, have... Point, I could have you know, we've had... We I, have, I had Am from Harlan Ellison's... Yeah, but, you, but that, 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 that creature was able to control other beings, so there was an element of... So I, I gave you a pass, but I'm not going to accept HAL 9000. But HAL, but HAL was, controls a ship. HAL <sighs> controls so a you, ship that's interacted with the people. You know what? You're right. I'll have, to, I'll have to accept it by okay. both standards. Are yeah. we going to allow that answer? Is he going to win the wank hat? <laughs> Sorry, you can't have the wank hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What a, what a shame. What a shame. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'd like to say thank you very much to, uh, to Will for joining us today. Will, before we let you go, have you got anything you want to plug, anything you want to say to the people, any you know nice kind of things you want to push along? Uh, none of you trust Jason alone in your house ever. I've been here seven or eight times, and they haven't caught me stealing yet. <laughs> oh, we know. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I hear the cling and the clang of metal. I was like cling clang. I was like, what are you for? Nothing. Out comes a candlestick. No, nope, that's just that, that's just my solid iron testicles. <laughs> that, as they clang I like, when I walk. I like the fact in your head, Jason only steals candlesticks because he's a pauper from the Victorian <laughs> age. On the other side of the room, behind the art. Oh and yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you go, mate. I'll see you at LARP. <laughs> Have a good afternoon, mate. See you later, buddy. Bye, Thanks, Will. Bye. 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 And Will has got left the show. What an awful person. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I have one more choice on my on my board. Um, I'm just going to go for. I'm going to go for a classic one, obviously, uh, because you need someone who's heroic, a leader, big, giant, and can also transform into a truck. I'm going to take Optimus Prime from Transformers. Optimus he's Prime, the, he's the, he is one of the definitive heroic leaders. Now, if you inc- if you exclude some of the Michael Bay films, yes, he is an absolute hero and a absolute legend mm-hmm. it kind of skews a bit when you go into michael bay films uh but i mean they kind of redeemed him a bit in bumblebee because he appeared and he was his actual real self yeah complete with pointy pointy mouthpiece as well i mean it's important to know that optimus prime died for our sins yes that's why right. we celebrate prime day that's why we celebrate prime day because it's yeah it's the day that, that he did for us and he rose again he yeah. rose yeah keep that in mind optimus prime is basically jesus optimus prime <laughs> Yeah, there's Choptimus. all But, yeah, but, but, but Megatron is better though. Megatron was right. Well Megatron how did Megatron go from giant robot into 
tiny handgun. Because they had a toy to sell. Kids love toy guns. That, I mean, that's the explanation for anything that's ever happened in Transformers. I am not a fan. I wonder the, the how much they'd be worth. Give me a second. Fact Check Corner's doing some shit right now. We need answers right now. Let's go to Fact Check Corner with Jason. £170, £129. Oh, wow. That turns into like a, like a wolf of PPK, it looks like. Uh, Transformers Takara Temi Masterpiece Collection Set, £129 used. Oh, it turns into a, an MP5. Wow. Well, there you go. Megatron can turn into many different robots. Or guns. Such a gorgeous thing, though, honestly. It's so, yeah, that's the proper classic one that is. It's got a bit of scuffing on the feet, but for 130 quid, I'd still probably take that, to be perfectly honest with you. Look, nice. it's even got scope. Yeah, 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 just like the actual thing. Anyway, 130 pounds plus 10 pounds shipping is that will get you your own classic Megatron as well. Just thinking about Megatron, he doesn't necessarily go down to the size of a gun for a human, he drops down to the size of a gun for a Transformer. Correct, which is still fucking huge. Yeah. Yeah. But I swear there's stuff in the original cartoon where he does transform down into an even tinier gun for a human to pick up and fire, which makes no sense whatsoever. Con the law of conservation of mass does not apply to this children's cartoon. No, especially Transformers. Hmm. It's like it's you like know what? It's a mystery, and there's just I know just the man to get on this mystery. Ooh. No, no. <laughs> oh, for f sake! Late the time detective. But yes, um, I mean, one of the weird mysteries of Optimus Prime when he transforms into a truck. Where does his carriage come from? Science. It's not built into his legs. I told you they needed to sell a toy. I know just the man who can figure this out. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> is, it, is it Mr. Hasbro? Yeah. Because it yeah. was a toy they needed to sell. It was a toy they needed to sell. But anyway, let's let us actually indeed wrap this up today. I'm going to quickly just tap mm -hmm. on to, because we did have a little bit of audience feedback. Oh, we did. Uh, coming into this. Because we put the questions out into our, our Facebook group on Bunkerzilla, the Stomping Ground. You can join. Just go to Bunkerzilla UK on Facebook. And uh, I think there was quite a bit of loving for... The, uh, where are we there? There's quite a bit of loving for Star Wars droids, I think. Because we had uh, Reese Roberts saying the greatest robot, he would argue, would be R2-D2. <laughs> I, I always found R2-D2 a bit of a kind of weird... It's like, yeah, iconic, but I just... Do you find him a bit of a condescending prick? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'm I, I'm think of poor C-3PO. Oh, I'm totally, I'm totally with 3PO. Like, uh, yeah, he, he had a miserable existence. Yeah, and we, and we also have National Hampton coming in saying, well, it can't be R2-D2, but what about R5-D4? Without a sacrifice, the Rebellion wouldn't have made its greatest victories. Which one's that? I think that's the giant, one of the robots, in, or the robot assistant in Rogue One. If it's not if it's not 4, 5, and 6, what's the bloody point? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's true. Uh, but yeah, it's like with Rise of Skywalker, you have the tiny robot voiced by J.J. Abrams. BB-8, right? No, not BB-8. The little green one, one is going. Oh dear! Oh dear! Kind of <laughs> like a bad Jerry Lewis. Hey JJ, are we going to are we going to further develop relationship between uh, Finn and Rose? No, no. no? Okay, are we, we going to have any form of like conclusion to the Finn Poe relationship? That's clearly been developed as what is absolutely obviously a, a gay relationship. No, no. We're going to abandon that. Okay, what are we going to do instead? Little robot. <laughs> I could be the little robot that bridges the gaps. Oh, that no, JJ. film was a waste of f***ing anyway. time. Anyway. 
So, yes, we've been chatting all things robots, and, uh, yes, it's time to bring things to a close. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Trivial Titans. As always, you can email us at contact at bunkerzilla.co.uk. Let us know your thoughts on The Greatest Robots. Hopefully, if we do get some responses, we will read them out in a future episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at Trivial Titans, and you can also send a question to us at the Trivial Titans show page on the Bunkerzilla website. Go to bunkerzilla.co.uk, and very soon we could be answering your your question but until next uh, uh, why why do i even try and finish, why do i tr- even try and finish the episode i know he's going to cut me you should have just should have just cut his mic by this point uh, jason did they take your job <laughs> well until next time sir this is Crichton here along with marvin the clinically depressed android and um, what is your full name Crichton? Crichton. Oh, I've got it. I actually know that. Crichton, CR23-3XBC. I think that's correct. It is correct, sir. It is. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I need to go now because I have this pain all down the diodes of my right arm. Here I am, brain the size of a planet, and I'm being asked to talk on a pointless podcast that no one's listening to. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Marvin, sir. And finally, I'm here with my good, good friend, Mr. Optimus Prime. Transformers, transform and roll out! Uh, We are a good bunch of friends, but the final thing we have to say today, sirs, is it's time for the final trivial thought. It's time for our last trivial thought of the episode with Christian R. Allen. All this discussion of... And that was our final trivial thought of the episode from Christian R. Allen. I think you'll find that that was an absolutely insightful look into the psyche of Christian R. Allen. But until next episode, thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. From Trivial Titans, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and follow us on social media. We'll see you soon for the next exciting trivial episode of Trivial Titans. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Ooh.